never remain free if they are not willing if need be to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Praise Yahweh and pass the ammunition. Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli James. All right, welcome everybody. Pastor Eli James here. This is the Restoration Hour on Eurofolk Radio. Today is September 2nd, 2023. Yes, uh, there's a new address for uh, ANP. Let me just type it in here real quick because uh, apparently some people didn't get the memo. Memo. <laughs> it's ANP American National PO Box three one nine two Chicago Illinois nine seven zero three four. Again, that's ANP for which stands for American National Publishing. Post Office Box 3192, Harrison, Arkansas, 72601. And so I've been down here for a couple of months now, still getting settled in, but uh, I'm almost uh, ready to call myself an Arkansan, if that's the correct way of pronouncing it. <laughs> an Arkansan, an Ar- Arkansasian, who knows how the Southerners pronounce it, right? I'll find out. So I may have to go to, to the Welcome Center <laughs> At the border, because Harrison, Arkansas is only like 20 miles from the Missouri border. And then Branson is only about 10 miles further. So Branson and Harrison are pretty much sister cities. So if you want to go see a a show in Branson, it's only a 30-minute drive from Harrison. So there's all kinds of entertainment around here. And uh, so I don't miss Chicago at all. (laughs) I don't miss Chicago at all. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about the anti-Yahweh movement, and I put the link in the chat room. I actually posted it on Eurofolk Radio. It's not quite the final version. Yeah, I'm a Chicagoan, <laughs> lifelong Chicagoan. Uh, you know, what did I say? You can take the Negro out of the jungle, but you can't take the jungle out of the Negro. <laughs> Chicago, Chicago, I love you, Chicago. No, I don't. It's a wonderful place to visit. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I wouldn't want to live there. Okay, very good. All right, so so I'm going to be starting on page 11 now. I don't know how the um, the, the uh, post that I put up on Eurofolk Radio. I normally don't put pure text documents up on Eurofolk Radio, even though it is a WordPress site. However, uh, you know we tend to do videos and uh, audios primarily on Eurofolk Radio uh, because those, I think, keep people's attention. The written word, especially in this case, it's uh, a 70-page document already, and I'm still going to be doing more work on it. It's not totally finished, but it's almost finished. And on my WordPress, uh, actually my Word document on my computer, it's page 11. And so if you want to under... Open the document and uh, get to the search word is, let's see, what's a good search word here from page 11? Because they're probably, uh, okay, so, (laughs) okay, Sherlock. Sherlock would be a good search word. So if you search for the word Sherlock or Holmes, H-O-L-M-E-S, Holmes, then it'll take you right to where page 11 is. And what I want to do today is just explain how this and we, the last two shows we did on this, which were uh, a month and three weeks ago, uh, demonstrating, number one, that the author Zimmerman is, in fact, a Jew. He's actually a crypto Jew because he pretends to be a Christian. So a crypto Jew is anybody, any Jew who pretends to be something other than a Jew, okay? So you have uh, Arabs, crypto-Jews pretending to be Arabs. You have crypto-Jews pretending to be whites. You have crypto-Jews pretending to be Christians, etc., etc. These people are actually Jews 
pretending to be non-Jews or pretending to be the equal of the population, the country that they live in. And this is typically what Jews do wherever they go. Very, very few of these Jews ever really convert or become citizens of whatever country they are, uh, you know, infesting. Okay. So I'm going to pick it up uh, actually right uh, at the top of page 12. Okay, where he says, this article, this is Zimmerman, the, the crypto Jew, this article is important to everyone, Pentecostals, Protestants, King James only advocates, Catholics, Hebrew roots followers, sacred names believers, etc., etc., etc. Okay, and the, the next paragraph here is, what is the name of the creator? That's what is at issue here, folks. What is the name of the creator? And this crypto Jew by the name of Zimmerman says that the Old Testament YHWH should actually be pronounced Jesus. He goes to incredible lengths to redefine the meanings of not only Hebrew words, but the Hebrew letters and gives them shapes that they don't have, which we'll get into probably not today, but in a subsequent edition of this article, this critique, okay? And like I said, it's already 70 pages long, and I don't really want to go much longer. I could go way longer, but the arguments he makes are so repetitive that I don't think I really need to do any more with it than I already have. But what I'm trying to do, what I have done with it so far, is to show that crypto Jew Zimmerman simply makes things up and or uses Kabad Lubavitcher ideas, which are also lies, to convince people that his arguments are true. But there's no such thing as a true Jewish argument. The, the Jews always make false arguments, although they may, upon occasion, make a true statement, which is different from an argument, a true statement in order to suck you in as a con. You know, uh, all con artists have to establish credibility. So they'll make a true statement and say, oh, that's good. You know, that Jew actually spoke the truth. No, he didn't. He made a true statement to get you to believe that he is a truth speaker when he is, in fact, not. Okay, so here is what Crypto Jew Zimmerman says. What is the name of the creator? Jehovah's Witnesses say his name is Jehovah. Hebrew Roots Movement groups proclaim the Yah names. They claim that there was no letter J in the Hebrew. Most English-speaking people proclaim Jesus' name. Now, this is a very interesting statement because the fact of the matter is only English-speaking people proclaim the name of Jesus. English is practically the only language that pronounces the Jesus name. And I know every Judeo denomination says Jesus is the only name by which you can be saved. Oh my God, only you have to believe in Jesus. No, you don't. The letter J was not invented until the 17th century. I've seen the gravestones with my own eyes that have the letter I for Yames and no J. The letter J was introduced into the English language in the 17th century. The King James Version, the 1611 King James Version, spells it I-A-M-E-S. It does not spell it J-A-M-E-S because the letter J was not in the English language yet. So here's my comment. Right off the bat, the author poo-poos the idea that the letter J was not in existence in the Hebrew language. See, he's arguing that it was not in existence in the Hebrew language. But even today, even today, ladies and gentlemen, in Greek, in Latin, in Hebrew, in Aramaic, in German, and the vast majority of European languages, 
there is no J sound. There simply is no J sound in any of these languages. So either, and let me just finish my thought. So either all of these people who speak these other languages lost the J sound, and crypto Jew Zimmerman doesn't address this issue, or they never had it. It's got to be one of those two things. So are you expecting us to believe that all of the European languages who don't have a J sound even today, like Germanic, they don't use the J for Jesus. They say, Yezu. The Swedes say, Yezu. The Welsh and the Brits say, Yezu. Remember that song? Yezu. The joy of man's desiring when they sing that song, they pronounce it Yezu. They don't pronounce it Jesus. But of course, since Zimmerman is a crypto Jew, he wouldn't know about European history. He only knows about Jewish history. But even Yiddish, even Yiddish doesn't have the J sound. The only way that Yiddish has the J sound is borrowed words from English. So his proclamation that the name of Yahweh should be pronounced Jesus is just plain old idiotic, or it's plain old chutzpah, because he knows the vast majority of people who read the Bible have no linguistic background whatsoever. The churches do not teach any sort of linguistic history of the Bible or even of their own culture. The Judeo-Christian churches simply assume that the Bible was written in English. <laughs> okay. All right. I forget. My, my friend in New York, he called me up after one of my shows on this subject. He said, don't you know if Jesus was good enough for the apostles, it's got to be good enough for us, right? If the name Jesus was good enough for the apostles, it's good enough for us. Well, the apostles never used that name. Sorry. They never spoke the word Jesus. That's a lie. An absolute lie. So let's continue. And I, as part of this article, will provide much more documentation than Zimmerman does. And of course, this will eventually be up on Anglo-SaxonIsrael.com as soon as it's complete, which should be within the next week or so. Anyway. Now, it is true that most English speakers proclaim the Jesus name, but English speakers are about the only ones who do. This fact alone is an argument against his thesis, for if it's true that the Hebrew Yahweh should be pronounced Jesus, why is it that only English has the J In addition, those languages that have the letter J in their alphabets do not pronounce it like a J, but as a Y... For example, in the German, the J is pronounced like in the word Yawol, which is actually, yes, assuredly, Yawol. The W is actually pronounced like a, a Y, or a, a V, sorry, in Germanic. And only the French comes close with a J sound, as in de jure. Did all of the other languages lose this sound? Or did English adopted that is the question and of course he does not address the question of how it is that the other languages don't have the j sound which is really strange given the fact that every single one of these israelite nationalities has the bible they have the same scriptures we do but they don't have the j sound how is that possible Crypto-Jew Zimmerman does not discuss this issue. Let's continue. For proof of what I have just stated, here is an analysis by Graham Howe and from an article entitled, Which Languages Don't Have Any Letter for the Sound of J, Just Like the Spanish Speak H, Where They Find J, as in Jesus, 
quote, there is no language which has the letter J which does not have a sound for it. Okay, every language that has the letter J has a sound for it. However, only English has the J sound for it. It's simply that in many languages, indeed in the vast majority of them, the letter J represents a different sound to that which it usually has in English. So, Crypto-Jew Zimmerman, please explain to me how these other languages don't pronounce it Jesus, but pronounce it primarily Jesu or Jesus. Bullet point. In German, Dutch, the Scandinavian languages, and most of the Slavic languages, as well as Albanian, J is pronounced like the English letter Y. The sound of English J does not exist in native words in German, Dutch, and Scandinavian languages. Some of the Slavic languages do have a sound similar to the English J, but it is spelled differently. In Polish, it is spelled D-Z, or J, J, as in genic, but it's not written like a J, nor do they use it for Jesus. I think they pronounce it Jesus or also. Actually, these two combinations of letters are pronounced slightly differently, but to the English-speaking ear, they both sound similar to the English J sound. The English word jam, as in marmalade, has been borrowed by Polish, but it is spelled jem, D-Z-E-M. In Croatian, it is spelled D-Z with an umlaut, and jam is jim. Bullet point in Turkish, Portuguese, Catalan, and French, J represents a sound similar to the sound of S in pleasure, which I would spell like a Z-H, Z. Z-H is usually how that uh, sound is put into, into a syllable, but that's not even a syllable. That's a phoneme. Z-H, Z, as opposed to S-H, Sh, Z. The Z-H is a hard Z as opposed to a soft Sh. And so that's how it's usually presented when you have a French word that, like du jour, and you're trying to explain to people how it's spelled in writing. So they usually put G, Z-H. Okay, J represents a sound similar to the sound of S in pleasure or measure. Turkish has a sound like J, but it is spelled C. So the Turkish word kami, which equals mosque, is pronounced similar to the English word jammy. <laughs> Put on your jammies. The other languages mentioned here do not have the sound of English J. Okay, so as I exclaimed at the very beginning, English is the only language that pronounces the name of our Messiah as Jesus. How are we to account for the fact that all of these Christian Israelites, these Caucasian Israelite nations, none of them use the J sound to pronounce his name? That's really quite incredible when you think about it. Anyway, Italian does not have the letter J at all. It does have a sound like the English J, but it is spelt with a G followed by an I or an E. As in Giuseppe, by the way, I'll be on Giuseppe's show on Spreak Free Radio this Friday at 11 a.m. Central Time. We'll be talking about my book, The Great Impersonation. English also has this convention in many words. The Italian word for generale, general, I think, is generale. I think it's actually pronounced like a, a hard G, generale. And the word junta is spelled, <laughs> spelled junta. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe J-U-N-T is the way, Junta is the way it's actually pronounced. I can ask Giuseppe about that. It's spelled Junta, G-I-U-N-T-A, in Italian. Welsh has the letter J, pronounced as in English, but it does not occur in any native Welsh words. And Welsh is the language that has the greatest similarity to ancient Hebrew. This is a curious anomaly since one of the most common Welsh names is Jones. Well, they picked it up from English, didn't they? Scottish and Irish Gaelic have no letter J. And, of course, we're talking about Israelites here, folks. Next bullet point. Many languages, such as Greek, Russian, and most of the languages of Asia, India, and the Far East, do not have the letter J, 
simply because they use a different alphabet or script to other Western European languages. They don't use any European script. Source, which languages don't have any letter for the sound of J, just like the Spanish speak H, where they find J. Okay, so why do the Spanish pronounce it as Jesus? Answer me this, crypto Jew Zimmerman. And I have a further comment here. Our divinely appointed apostle, I'm being facetious here, referring to Zimmerman, has a real problem as to how the letter J and the J sound have miraculously disappeared from all of these languages, including Greek, Latin, Hebrew, and Aramaic. Polish does have a J sound, but it is spelled D-Z, as in genic. That's their word for newspaper, genic. Here's a quick argument against his proclamation. So I'm quoting now from an article entitled, When Was the Letter J Invented? And Was It Before Jesus? Well, of course it was. Writing and Speaking Tips by Martin Lassen, L-A-S-S-E-N. Quote, Some of you may be aware that the letter J is one of the more recent additions to our alphabet. But when was it invented? And what was what was language like before it came into existence? Well, we didn't have the J, period. When was the letter J invented? The letter J was invented for the Italian language by a man called Gian Giorgio Trissino in the year 1524. It was used in Roman numerals, but back then it was an alternative way of writing I... It was not its own letter. Before the letter J, Jesus' name was pronounced Jesus in Italy and everywhere else in Europe, including the English-speaking world. My comment here is, AZ actually tries to argue that the letter J did exist in B.C. times, but he is the only person in the world, to my knowledge, who makes this claim. AZ is definitely out on a limb. We will find out later on what later on whether the promoter of I Saw the Light, which is the website that he owns, I Saw the Light Ministries uh, forward slash sacrednames.com is the actual link to the article on that website, but it's just I saw the light ministries.com. So we will find out later whether this website is able to sustain this claim. I will present a thorough refutation of his main arguments later on. For starters, if you type into your browser the question, did the letter J exist in biblical times? Here is the answer you get. The answer you get is no. And I tried this with three different browsers, Brave, Google, and uh, Microsoft. All three of them give the same answer is the letter J did not exist in biblical times. So, who's lying? Who is trying to tell us a falsehood here? I mean, the whole rest of the world disagrees with somebody. You know, It, it has to be pretty evident that he's trying to invent an argument. AZ is the only person to make this claim, although it appears that he has hired other people to repeat his claims in order to make it appear as though he has support. Back to our intrepid author, and here is what he says. What is the real truth? Are we damned if we use our modern native language instead of the English ancient Hebrew language? Well, now wait a minute. Is English our native language? If you talk about Anglo-Saxon, both German and English and several other European languages are based on Anglo-Saxon. That would actually be our modern native language because all these other languages are based on that. They're offshoots of it, including Swedish, Danish, German, even French for that matter, etc., English is one of the more recent recent inventions, okay? But it is not modern in the sense that it it is an improvement. What, what modern English does, it borrows words from other languages. 
and it invented a grammar that is different from the other languages. That's really the only difference, except for the, the adoption of the letter J. Okay. So he says, are the Yah names truly Hebrew? What is the total truth about the sacred names issue? Must we do away with the name Jesus? Must we stop using the titles God and Lord? Actually, we should. What does Hallelujah and Jehovah... <laughs> well, now, here's an interesting dilemma that he has just brought up. Hallelujah. Everybody in the world pronounces it Hallelujah. Not Hallelujah. They all pronounce it Yehovah, not Jehovah, or J, or Jew Jesus. These two words themselves prove that his argument is false. Okay, and I have never argued that anybody must use the sacred names Yahweh and Yahshua. I have always argued that if you want to get in touch with your Hebrew heritage, if you want to get in touch with your Hebrew heritage, you should learn the language that Yahshua spoke, the language that your Israelite ancestors spoke, and the other languages that we have spoken. Fortunately, I am bilingual. I speak German. I, I learned a little bit of Hungarian from my parents and my sister and my brother. And it's always great to be multilingual, although in my case I'm only bilingual. I don't know enough Hungarian to, to say that I'm multilingual. But I can have a conversation with a German in German. And this gives you an idea how difficult it is to translate from one language to another because the cultural dissimilarities and the, the definitions of the words can vary so greatly, especially when you're talking of idioms from one language to another. Unless, you're, unless the translator is fluent, both speech-wise and in writing, in both languages, you will never really get a good translation. The translator has to be both fluent in the written language and the spoken language to be able to translate properly. But let's continue. Okay. So he says this as to what the proper name of the creator is. This will be one of the most important decisions of your life. And my comment is, indeed it will. But such language makes me suspicious. The author is trying to convince you of his sincerity and acumen with such appeals. It is an emotional appeal. Yahshua, Jesus, never made such appeals. He was always straightforward and to the point. We will see if the warnings and appeals made in this essay are warranted. And then later on in this page, he says, Everything that he says is documented and proven. Only facts are presented. And I make my, the comment here, well, that remains to be seen. So he says, what is traditionally taught? Most people are taught that in the original Old Testament, the name of the creator appeared as YHWH, or perhaps YHVH. And then people add vowels between each letter. Well, it's the Jews who add vowels to make it Jehovah. It's not us who did that. In order to translate it into either Yahweh, Jehovah, or some other variation of the Y name, such as Yehovah, Yahshua, Yeshua, etc., all of these names and hundreds of variations. There are no hundreds of variations. I think he's pretty much covered all of them. And you know he's he's being he's being uh, facetious here because there are not hundreds of variations. Most people, most even theologians, do not deal with numerous variations. It's basically the ones he's already presented: Yahweh, Jehovah, Yahshua, Yehoshua, and a handful. Of others, the idea that there are hundreds of variations is simply a, a total exaggeration. So, my comment here is: this statement is essentially correct, but the idea that there are hundreds of variations is an exaggeration. There are only a few. Ironically, Apostle Zimmerman is trying to provide one of those variations by claiming that the Hebrew Yahweh should be spelled and pronounced Jesus. Okay. 
Uh, let me take a poll here. Has anyone listening ever heard an argument by a theologian that Yahweh should be pronounced Jesus? Has anyone in either chat room ever heard anyone say that Yahweh should be pronounced Jesus? I never heard any such thing from anybody my whole life until Apostle Zimmerman <laughs> had made that claim. All right. Nevertheless, and, and that's just more proof that he's the only person making such a claim. Yeah, seven says, nope, he never heard anybody say that before. And that's when you, as I said earlier, if you type that question into your browser, has any theologian ever claimed that the, the word Yahweh should be pronounced Jesus? And I typed it into three different browsers, and they all responded, no. No. So the only person in the world on this, maybe the universe, <laughs> who actually makes this claim is this crypto Jew by the name of Apostle Zimmerman. Of course, he assumes the title Apostle, Apostle, because he wants to, well, it's, is it braggadocio? He wants to impress you with the fact uh, that the God of the universe told him these things. I don't think so, folks. Yahweh does not communicate with Jews. <laughs> he does, that doesn't happen because they are the children of the devil and Yahweh does not communicate with the devil except in the book of Job. <laughs> right? That's the only place. All right. So let's continue. So, then he says, the very first thing we need to understand is that when you go to school in Israel, by which he means it's a lie. So right away we see, not only is he a crypto Jew, because he's pretending to be a Christian, but he's actually a Jew, because he's promoting the Israeli state as if those people were true Israel. I mean, come on, can anybody believe anything this guy says? I don't think so. Then he goes to this website, which is, in fact, a Kabad Lubavitcher website. And here it is, right here, if you scroll down. www.kabad.org Kabad Dot org. He's quoting a Kabbad Lubavitcher rabbi to make these subsequent claims that the true language that's called Hebrew today is actually Assyrian. And that the Assyrians had a script which was borrowed by the Hebrews. This is what he is saying in this article, folks. But that is a blatant lie. The fact is, Assyrian script was cuneiform. They did not actually have phonemes. What's a phoneme? A phoneme is a set of letters that give you a vowel or a, or a consonant or a combination of the two, as in j. Phonemes, those are sounds produced by your mouth. Phonemes, okay? A syllable is like jam. That's a syllable where you put several letters together to make a sound which represents an object in the real word or a concept or a partial concept like pre. P-R-E is a partial concept meaning before. That's a syllable. It's also a phoneme, okay? So these phonemes and syllables are what go put, put together make up words, and it's the words that have the most meaning. They represent objects in the physical world or ideas in your mind, okay? The Kabad Lubavitcher website totally denies this. It says that Assyrian is the first language, not Hebrew. This is the garbage that Kabad Lubavitcher Zimmerman 
is promoting, folks. That's what he's promoting. Okay. My comment here is, one, since the Jewish people are not the Israel of Yahweh, what is taught in the abomination of desolation is irrelevant. Also, the modern block Hebrew script is a rabbinical invention which cannot be applied to Paleo-Hebrew. The modern Hebrew script is a descendant of Aramaic, which was adopted by the rabbis, the Pharisaic rabbis, otherwise known as the Masoretes, who invented Yiddish. This Masoretic text, or script, I should say, was used to create the Masoretic text, the block Hebrew that most people are familiar with. It's not Aramaic. It's an offshoot of Aramaic. Two, the Assyrian language was never spoken or written in Babylon, as he falsely claims. No Judahites were ever forced to speak that language. This assertion by Apostle Zimmerman is one of the grossest errors he makes because he gets this nonsense from a Hasidic source, supposing that Hasidic Jews are the descendants of the Judahites. Can you believe this? How can anybody believe anything this guy says? Number three. Furthermore, Zimmerman is relying on Talmudic pronouncements when he makes this claim. Such claims, as proven in the introduction above, have no bearing on the Hebrew Bible, as Talmudism is the denial of biblical mosaism. Rabbinism is the pretense of biblicism. And, oh, I see I have to make a correction here. There should have been an A, an article A, uh, for furthermore. Anyway, before furthermore. B, it was taught, Rebbe said, Torah was originally given to Israel in Ashurat script. This is a direct quotation from the website that he cites. This is totally 100% Jewish, folks. That's what it is. It's not biblical. It is Jewish. And this guy is believed by white people. This guy is believed by Christians. He's even believed by some people in identity. This is a horrible situation, folks. We have to correct this error because it's nothing but Jewish lies. It's actually, what this is, folks, it's chutzpah. It is 100% chutzpah. Zimmerman is making these things up, and he's using rabbinical sources to make these things up. So let me finish the quotation. This is from the website itself. Quote, Torah was originally given to Israel in Ashurat script, which means Assyrian. When they sinned, it was changed to Roetz, or Ivri script, which is another word for Hebrew. When they repented, Ashurat script was reintroduced. So he's saying that, no, our ancestors never spoke Hebrew until they sinned. And then when they repented, they reverted back to Assyrian. That is what this guy is saying. And my comment here is, this is rabbinical nonsense. Most Christians do not realize that rabbinism is the very traditions of the elders that both Yahshua and Paul condemned in the New Testament. More evidence against Rabbi Zimmerman. Quote, in the Cambridge History of Judaism, quote, the term Assyrian refers to the Aramaic script and may be reminiscent of the fact that it was during the period of Assyrian domination that Aramaic script and language received official status. The use of Assyria grammata by Greek writers has a similar origin. So, what the Cambridge History of Judaism is saying is, no, Aramaic was introduced into Assyria not vice versa, and there's no indication at all that Assyrian was the original language of the Israelites, as Rabbi Zimmerman is proclaiming. My further comment here is so we can see that Rabbi Zimmerman has made a major mistake about the language of the Hebrews and of the Bible being written in Assyrian script. No biblical commentator should ever take a rabbinical pronouncement at face value. Furthermore, the correct historical situation, as the Cambridge Statement implies, is that the Assyrians adopted Aramaic, 
not Hebrew, but Aramaic, not vice versa. So Zimmerman had the situation backwards. But this is the kind of language that Zimmerman uses. And then uh, furthermore, number four, the Judahites in Babylon were out of necessity forced to adopt Aramaic. I mean, if you're living in another country, you have to speak their language, unless, of course, you're an immigrant to America where we have to learn your language, especially if you're a non-white immigrant to America. This is the only place in the world where that has obtained, okay? But they were never forced to give up Hebrew. They simply picked up Aramaic as a second language, as most people do when they live in another country. Here is another account of what actually happened. Quote, the Jews, that sick Judahites, sent into exile, remained as a single group, which helped them preserve their cultural identity by living in their community in Babylon, until being finally allowed to return home in 538-539 B.C., at the time when the Persians overthrew the Chaldeans. The exile period had a profound and long-lasting influence on the Judahites' development outside their homeland. Ancient, a lot of them didn't come back. A lot of them stayed in Babylon. Ancient sources confirmed that some of the Judahite population adopted the Chaldean religion by giving names to their offspring after Chaldean deities. Well, the Israelites who were taken captive by the Assyrians did exactly the same thing. But the article says, generally, however, the community remained united in its common faith in Yahweh. And these people are not religious. They simply understand that Yahweh is the God of Israel. The Israelites were the only people in Old Testament times who had faith in Yahweh. They were known as the people of Yah, and no pagan society would adopt the religion and the name of Yahweh because they hated the Israelites, period. And the source is, why were the Jews exiled to Babylon from ancient pages? So these facts totally destroy Zimmerman's above assertion that the Israelites, quote, the Israelites were forced to learn, speak, and write the Assyrian language and Assyrian script, which both the Assyrian Empire and the Babylonian Empire used. Well, the Babylonian Empire didn't use Assyrian script, and the Assyrian script, they, even the Assyrians didn't use Assyrian script. They used cuneiform until they adopted Aramaic. Now, I've only just begun criticizing this article. I'm only like two pages into the article, which is about 50 pages long. It doesn't get any better, folks. This article is so easily refuted that it's pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. Back to his text. Daniel, he quotes Daniel 1.4. Quote, Children in whom was no blemish but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So the, that Daniel 1.4 is about the wisdom of the Chaldeans. Now the reality is, way back in the days of Daniel, the Chaldea, Chaldea was not even a nation. The, the word Chaldean is a reference to, you know, we could call them Magi, but the priests, the, the priests of Mesopotamia, that's who the Chaldeans were. They were not real. Most of these Chaldean priests were actually roving priests who went from one country to another, one town or one city to another. And they really did not have a nation. That nation was much later, absolutely much later. And so my comment is, the fact that Daniel and other Israelites may have had to learn Chaldean is of little relevance as it was very similar to Aramaic. From the following Wikipedia article, it is evident that Chaldean is another form of Aramaic, not Assyrian, folks, not Assyrian. Quote, unlike the East Semitic Akkadian-speaking Akkadians, and Akkad, uh, Akkad is the successor to Sumeria, which I believe was founded by Cain, 
Assyrians and Babylonians, whose ancestors had been established in Mesopotamia since at least the 30th century B.C., so 3,000 years B.C., the Chaldeans were not a native Mesopotamian people, but were late 10th or early 9th century B.C. West Semitic Levantine migrants. So they came from what we would call Syria to the southeastern corner of the region, who had played no part in the previous 3,000 years or so of Sumero-Akkadian and Assyrio-Babylonian Mesopotamian civilization and history. So this statement totally refutes what these rabbis are claiming about Assyrian being the native language of the Hebrews. Totally destroys this idea. The ancient Chaldeans seem to have migrated into Mesopotamia sometime between 940 to 860 B.C. And I'm glad they used B.C. instead of B.C.E. A century or so after other new Semitic arrivals, the Aramaeans and the Sutians, who I have not had a chance to study, appeared in Babylonia circa 1100 B.C. According to Ran Zadok, don't know who that is, they first appear in written record in cylinder inscriptions of the king of Mari, which was a Mesopotamia, Mesopotamian kingdom, Asher Keta Lesir II, late 12th, early 11th century BC, which re- record them reaching Mesopotamia as early as the 11th century BC. They later appear in the annals of the Assyrian king Shalmaneser III during the 850s BC. This was a period of weakness in Babylonia and its ineffective native kings were unable to prevent new waves of semi-nomadic foreign peoples from invading and settling the land. So, what Rabbi Zimmerman is trying to tell us is, we must believe rabbinical nonsense. Because that's what he is purveying. Rabbinical nonsense masquerading as Hebrew-slash-biblical history. Another quote, following, this is from Wikipedia, following the Babylonian exile, the Jews, sick Judahites, gradually stopped using the Paleo-Hebrew script and instead adopted a square form of the Aramaic alphabet. A similar square Aramaic script is still used for contemporary Western dialects of Aramaic even today. But the Jews adopted it for their Jewish Masoretic texts. The article here continues, This square variant of Aramaic developed from the Hebrew alphabet proper during the Second Temple period, or after the return from Babylon, in a process that was not complete before the first century A.D. So, this didn't happen until the first century A.D., but that's when the Masoretes began tampering with the ancient Hebrew script, ancient Hebrew Old Testament. And that's when they started adding their vowel points, which you will find in their Masoretic text. For example, the letter Samic developed its closed or circular form only in the Middle Hasmonean dynasty, period rather, around 100 BC. And this variant becomes the standard form in the early Herodian hands. Oh, Herodians! What are those people? Who and what are the Herodians? But Edomites, right? Edomites. Edomites are us. Then it says the Samaritan alphabet, on the other hand, remains a direct descendant of the Paleo-Hebrew script. Very interesting. Because even today, the Samaritans... Who, who many of whom claimed to be Israelites, still used that script. It was never changed by them into the square block Hebrew, so-called by the Jews, by the rabbis. Okay. So, Apostle Zimmerman has uncritically accepted Lubavitcher opinion, which is only one opinion among many Jewish and Christian opinions. Zimmerman is using a Talmudic source and considers it to be authoritative. So, Are you going to believe a Talmudic scholar masquerading as a Christian? As I said, 
He is a crypto Jew. So, Zimmerman says, Did you read the above scriptures in your personal paperback, hardback Bible today, or just only on this website? Well, none of none of the Bibles that I know of assert that the Hebrews spoke Assyrian. Not a single one makes such an assertion. So, I ask, what scriptures? Is Zimmerman referring to these rabbinical pronouncements as scripture? Daniel 1.4 does not support his contentions about either the Assyrian origin of Hebrew or the Judahites being forced to abandon Hebrew. Okay. So, again... So he makes, he phrases these questions as if, oh, okay, well, just open your Bible and and read along with me, and you'll see that what I'm saying is true. No, there's no way if you open your Bible that anything he's saying will be evidence. It's all nothing but rabbinical interpretation. Okay? Now he says, it is also documented, well-known fact, that Daniel wrote Daniel 1.1 until Daniel 2.4 in Paleo-Hebrew. Thank you. That's the real language of the Hebrews. Paleo-Hebrew, not Assyrian. But then he says, but when he got to Daniel 2.4, he started writing in Assyrian, Babylonian, Aramaic. No, as I've already pointed out, the Assyrians did not start using Aramaic until very late in their history, and they had cuneiform script which was not phonetic. They only had a few, how should I put this, cuneiform uh, symbols that were actually phonetic. The rest of them were like pictographs, like uh, even Chinese today is pictographs and other languages, and like Egyptian pictographs, okay? It was not until Joseph went to Egypt that his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, started changing Egyptian hieroglyphs into the pictographs into phonetic language, into syllables and words. It's primarily Manasseh who gets the credit for that. And I talk about that in this article later. Okay, so let's continue. So this is, my comment is not true. It's Aramaic only has nothing to do with Assyrian. Zimmerman is still following rabbinical opinion. Here is how the Encyclopedia Britannica differentiates Aramaic, Hebrew, and Assyrian. Quote, Aramaic is thought to have first appeared among the Aramaeans about the late 11th century BC. Far later than Hebrew, folks. Far later. By the 8th century BC, it had become accepted by the Assyrians as a second language. The mass deportations of people by the Assyrians and the use of Aramaic as a lingua franca by Babylonian merchants served to spread the language so that in the 7th and 6th centuries BC, it gradually supplanted Akkadian as the lingua franca of the Middle East. It subsequently became the official language of the Achaemenian Persian dynasty, dynasty 559 to 330 BC. Though after the conquests of Alexander the Great, Greek displaced it as the official language throughout the former, former Persian Empire. Aramaic dialects survived into Roman times, however, particularly in Palestine and Syria. Aramaic had replaced Hebrew as the language of the Jews, that is, Judahites, as early as the 6th century B.C. I think that's too early, because as we know, Ezra and Nehemiah still spoke and wrote Hebrew, but the purpose of the Targums was to translate the Hebrew into Aramaic for the Judahites who had forgotten Hebrew. That's what the purpose of the Targums was. So, my comment here is that the original language of Assyria was Akkadian. The fact that Daniel wrote partly in Hebrew and partly in Aramaic is not problematic because Zimmerman's false premise, namely that Hebrew and Aramaic are dialects of Assyrian, is totally false. From the time of the Babylonian captivity, both Hebrew and Aramaic, two languages which are dialectically similar, were used interchangeably by the house of Judah by those who were fluent in both. 
Okay. So he goes on along this Assyrian nonsense, page after page after page, and I'm only on page 20 of a document which is 70 pages long. Okay. So, so I'll do a couple more shows on this just to reveal how ridiculous the claims of Zimmerman are. And on page at the bottom of page 20, I say, to this very day, the Jews do not speak Hebrew. But, well, no, sorry, this is him speaking. To this very day, the Jews do not speak Hebrew, but rather Assyrian Aramaic. Well, if that's true, it's their problem, not ours. If they don't know the difference between Hebrew, Aramaic, and Assyrian, that's their problem. That's because they make things up. But with a Jewish dialect, oh, that's called Yiddish, folks. <laughs> that's called Yiddish. Then he says, all of this is the documented facts of history. No, it's not. It's rabbinical opinion, period. Okay? This is the quality of the rhetoric used by crypto-Jew Zimmerman in his attempt to say that Hebrew is not the original language of the Israelites. Folks, it really, it gets worse. This, his lies get in, even worse and worse as the document goes, goes on. Now, I find it hard to believe that people actually got sucked in by this. Okay? Because this is so easily, all you have to do is check other sources on the internet. You don't have to work hard to find refutations of what Zimmerman is teaching. But people want to believe lies and rumors and, oh, oh, really? Well, because a lot of people, I think the, the whole aim of this article is to counteract the influence that Christian identity is having in the world. Because we have been promoting the sacred names, Yahweh and Yahshua, for decades, for over 100 years now, going back to Henry Ford and William Cameron and uh, Gerald L.K. Smith, Bertrand Compare, Dr. Wesley Swift and others, and, uh, and, and many other writers who are Hebrew experts, such as uh, Joseph... Oh, what's his name? Rotherham. The Rotherham Bible goes into the true history of the word Yahweh and how it was replaced by Lord by the Jews in the Masoretic text. So this attempt to replace the word Yahweh with L-O-R-D, which is Canaanite and also Hebrew for Baal, <laughs> right? Lord is Baal. They want us to worship Baal instead of Yahweh. Okay, this is what is actually happening. This is a Jewish attempt to diss, to overturn, overthrow what we in Christian identity, especially those of us in 2C line, have taught the world now, especially since we've taken over the Internet. And everywhere you go, when you see people criticizing the status quo in the chat rooms of various websites. They're all blaming the Jew and the, the people are picking up the sacred names as they go along and the Jews are getting scared that we will pick up, our people will pick up the sacred names and start using them. I would say for me personally, I've been using the sacred names since I started writing The, the Great Impersonation since about 1980 and I can't list the number of miracles that have happened in my life because I use the name Yahweh and Yahshua. If Zimmerman was correct that the correct pronunciation of Yahweh is Jesus, then I should have been damned <laughs> for all these years because I don't use Jesus in place of Yahweh. I never have. Not once in my life. Have I used the name Jesus in place of Yahweh? And I can't tell you the number of times I've been close to death. I've had accidents that should have killed me and have not killed me. Why? Because Yahweh has been protecting me. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Thanks for listening. 
Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. We're going to need it. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Free people will never remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. No, it's actually the Jews who are the problem. <laughs> the Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli James. Hey, Eli, how you doing? Yeah, good. Okay, I'm just about yeah. off of... Uh,